The Teaching with Soul podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is created, the Wajak Noongar people. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today. Hello beautiful teacher and welcome to Teaching with Soul a podcast for heart-led teachers just like you who know there's more to life than seating plans, test scores and behaviour management. This is your space to come back to you. We explore topics like mindfulness, self-care, spirituality, social justice, shifting your beliefs, true rest and so much more. And all through the lens of being a teacher. Because let's be honest, nobody truly understands this industry like we do. This isn't professional development, it's personal development. I'm your host, Jessica Mason, wellness coach for teachers, and I'm so grateful to share this space with you each week. So, take a deep breath, pour yourself a cuppa, and let's dive in. I am so excited to share today's interview with you, which is a beautiful conversation with the incredible Paige Tan. Paige Tan is a qualified life coach and meditation teacher who lives, works, and plays on the land of the Boonwurrung people in Melbourne, Australia. She's on a mission to empower and inspire educators to live a more mindful and purposeful life in and amongst this busy world that we live in. Having spent eight years in the education industry and experiencing firsthand the effects of burnout, she now teaches and supports teachers and educators to discover and unlock their strengths, to connect with who they truly are, and to show up as their best selves. Paige also uses meditation as a practical tool to reduce stress and overwhelm and to connect with who they truly are and what they truly want. Whether it's through her one-on-one or group coaching programs, workshops, or meditation classes, Paige always weaves in the power of mindfulness and a strengths-focused approach in order to help others unlock their strengths and to use them practically in their lives, both personally and professionally. She firmly believes that every individual in this world has the potential to truly live out a life of purpose when they play to their strengths and allow themselves to live in the eudaimonia way. In this episode, we speak about Paige's journey from hardworking teacher to total burnout to where she is now, how she unintentionally brought right versus wrong thinking into her wellness practice and how she let this go, the differences between the education system in Singapore and Australia, easy ways to use meditation and mindfulness to calm your nervous system throughout the school day, how knowing your personal strengths can ease comparison and help you to show up in a more effortless way and so much more. I think there's so much power in hearing from educators who know exactly what it's like to be where you are. And that's what this conversation is today. It's a really honest account about the hardships that teaching brings alongside a big dollop of hope and remembrance of life's joy. Cause I think we forget that so often. So there's so much goodness in this conversation. You can find out more about Paige and her work through the links in the show notes. I know that you will enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's dive in.
Okay, Paige, hello, and welcome to the Teaching with Soul podcast. Hello, Jess. It's such a pleasure to be here. I am so glad to have you on. We have been in each other's orbits for, I'm going to say a couple of years now. Is that right? Yeah. Time has flown. I know. And I feel as if it's one of those funny things where I feel as if we we know each other and we've known each other for years, but we still are yet to meet in person. So we will make that happen at some point. 100%. Yes, but we've got to love tech for that. So thank you for being on the podcast today. I am so excited to speak with you. Uh, we've got a lot of things that we want to chat about um, and delve into, but to catch everybody up for people that don't know you, maybe they've, uh, they're just coming across you now. How did you get to be doing the work that you're doing in the world today? Like take us on that journey, especially for the teachers listening who might be looking at us and being like, how did they go from the classroom to this? Like, what does the journey look like? So take us through it. Love that question. And I love that everyone's journey to what they do is also kind of different. So more than happy to share how I've gotten to this point stage in my life um but just a bit of background I was a high school teacher for eight years the past eight years and I was trained in maths teaching so quite different to being in the well-being space always being in the logical side of my brain and there's always a correct and a wrong I came from that world um and I grew up in Singapore moved here to Australia about almost 15 years ago now um, and yeah it's just been really interesting I guess experiencing education in a completely different country completely different culture um, and then coming here and being a teacher here and seeing um, the different styles and the different ways of the education industry itself but yeah I spent eight years of my life teaching and about five years into it, um, which I think is mostly what I hear in and amongst the stories of other teachers as well, the burnout, the stress, the overwhelm starts to set in. And that's exactly what happened to me. Exactly five years into my career, I was feeling like I was doing the same things day in and day out. I was losing my passion, my spark. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, the stress, every time Monday rolled around, I just felt the anxiety levels increasing and bubbling. And it just wasn't fun. It got to a point when it was where it really wasn't fun. And I thought that changing workplaces would be the solution. It was a band-aid for a bit, um, but only about, yeah, a year into changing workplaces the pandemic hit remote learning came in had to learn a whole new way of working and teaching and keeping up with um, all the data collection and all the admin things it was just a whole new ball game and of course burnout set in again so yeah long story short it was my personal experience with burnout and seeing so many other teachers and people around me that were also suffering the same thing, but they were suffering silently. And I really didn't want that for the teaching world. I think it's so important that 
teachers know that they have the support, that they um, all they really need to do is talk about their challenges and seek the support that they need. And I think that's why the work as coaches, particularly um, the work that we do, uh, is so essential in the teaching world right now because, as we know, burnout is so rampant at the moment and it does not seem to be getting any better. In fact, it just sounds like it's getting worse and worse every single month that rolls around, every single term that rolls around. Teachers are getting tired, they're exhausted, and they don't feel supported. So, um, yeah, that's really how that brings me to the work that I do in supporting other teachers. Yes, amazing. I when you mentioned suffering silently, I wrote that down because I think there's even this sense of some teachers may not, okay, they're aware that they're not having the best time, but it's almost like this uh, because it feels like a given to feel the way that they do. I feel like a lot of teachers don't know how much they even are suffering because it's the norm. Um, So when you said suffering silently, I was like, yeah, that really encapsulates it. So tell me more, how did you get from, okay, you're at this burnout stage, you've switched careers, uh, switched schools, um, you, you know, the pandemic hits, what gets you from being a full-time maths teacher to <laughs> a coach? Like what was that process? Yeah. So it was, I think the kickstart, the thing that kickstarted it all was, Initially working in the student wellbeing space, I was lucky enough in my eight years to have held a number of different roles within the student wellbeing um, space itself. So I was a year level coordinator for about five years out of the eight years. And that was really where I felt at home and I felt where my heart belonged. And coming from that left brain like I mentioned before and always having a right and a wrong um, and coming into this well-being space and opening my mind up to this whole new world um, I think that was really the initial thing that got me going and then realizing that there's so much that teachers and schools are doing in the student well-being space and that conversation is always being had in schools and then you flip the coin and you go, but what about teacher well-being? Like no one's really talking about it. Student well-being, yeah, great. They're the kids we teach, they're the kids who are under our care. But really, student well-being and teacher well-being come hand in hand. There's no good student well-being without good teacher well-being. And that was really where I really decided to um, yeah, forge that path ahead and start conversations around teacher well-being because again it's one of those things that's not being spoken about too much at all in the busyness of the job as we know um, more and more things get added on every year the workload just keeps increasing for some reason I don't know how but it just does um, and yeah that thought and that perspective of shifting the lens onto the teachers first before I guess, feeding the student wellbeing conversation, that was really the path that I wanted to forge ahead and, um, yeah, really raise that awareness within the industry as well. Mm. Oh, it's so important. It's like, I feel like, you know, we enter the teaching profession and my biggest uh, passion when I entered was 
uh, student welfare and pastoral care. I was all about it. And it's like we get, it might be the five-year stage that you spoke about, but it's like this light switch goes off where you're like, hang on a minute. (laughs) I can be passionate about this, but if if I have nothing to give, then there's no point to any of it and we're all depleted and the cycle continues. It's like we can't, you know, our passion almost doesn't allow us to see it because we get into teaching for the kids and then, you know, a few years in we're like, oh, (laughs) I've been missing a puzzle piece this entire time. Um, And then it comes, you know, like you said, that uh, the time to um, flip the script and focus on the other puzzle piece that we've been missing. I, I'm just really curious. Um, You mentioned before that you grew up in, you know, the Singaporean education system, and then you came here to teach. What are the differences that you find? I mean, just generally, but also, I mean, it's hard to know if you were a student, we don't know often how our teachers are feeling or if they're doing things for themselves, but does there seem to be a difference there in terms of how uh you know how the teachers show up and how they prioritize themselves that you noticed yeah um in terms of differences I would say I think teacher burnout is rampant everywhere worldwide at the moment and I've got friends who are teachers in Singapore at the moment and um yeah the conversations that we have are really similar I think to the ones that I've been having with Australian teachers in terms of the workload the um the stress the increasing demands year after year so I think there is some common ground there but in terms of differences the first thing that comes to mind is is the cultural difference first thing um and I remember when I was growing up in Singapore like for us school started pretty much at 7am in the morning. So if you think about it, students are in school at 7am, that would mean teachers are in school at 6.30am latest, or like their days start at six o'clock. And there were long days as well, because in the Singapore system, students all had to be involved in an extracurricular activity that's compulsory. And yeah, it was placed, well, that stress or that those duties were placed on teachers to oversee these activities or these clubs and things like that. So a teacher's day could start at 6am and it could end at 6pm. Um, and that was, those were long working hours. Like as a student, we never saw that. Like we always looked at teachers and go, oh yeah, it's just part of the job. But like taking a step back now, being a teacher and going, oh my gosh, I've actually got friends who are working 12 hour days and it's normalized. That is not right, first and foremost. Um, and secondly, like what is being provided to support them physically, emotionally, because it is a taxing job if they are working such long hours every day, every week. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of working hours, probably longer in Singapore. But the demands and the workloads, um, as I mentioned before, I think it's similar everywhere at the moment, the stories that I'm hearing. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting one to dig further into as well. 
Yeah, very interesting. Uh, there's a, I feel like there's a case to be made. We talk about, you know, times where school starts, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the earlier start you would assume then would lead to an earlier finish. Mm. But hearing that it could be that long, yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Wow. So when you hit this five-year mark and you started making mm. these shifts and these changes for yourself and you were aware that something needed to change and you you took lots of, you know, necessary action, um, can you walk us through what some of those actions are slash continue to be? So in terms of um, like practical actions that you might take, but then maybe also um more you know energetic or mindset what are the shifts that uh you yeah you've put into place since that time where it felt like you know burnout city to now absolutely so the first one the very first one that comes to mind and I'm going to preface this by saying that I started small and I think that's that's the important bit for, for teachers to hear because I think um, a lot of teachers feel that if they go from zero to 100 and they try and change the way that they th- do things too fast, the resistance comes in or they give up really quickly. So um, the very first thing I started to do was to actually leave work at work one day a week because I found that I was bringing, home, bringing work home every day um, during the term and then I went now this is not sustainable at all I'm gonna start changing this habit a little bit at a time I'm not gonna go I'm not bringing work home every day like I knew I wasn't gonna stick to that no way so I started one day a week did that for a few weeks and then went okay this is actually all right maybe I'll increase it to two days a week and slowly but surely it's sort of like reprogramming that brain of yours and going hey this is doable and also this is a boundary that I'm setting up for myself that I am keeping to I'm not making it so difficult that I can't keep to it and also in setting up that boundary the important bit is to talk to the people around you about it as well particularly people you live with, your family, um, your friends even, and letting them know that, yeah, this night, like this night is the night I'm not bringing work home. Let's do something together outside of teaching and marking or planning and all that stuff. So that was the very, very first thing that um, I implemented for myself. And then the second thing was to seek support seek support externally because I knew that um yeah doing it alone was going to be challenging for myself I knew how I worked I knew that if I didn't have that extra accountability or that extra support I would fall back into my always really really quickly so I sourced external support in and that looked like getting myself a coach to work with to support me with goals that I could work towards and to actually really just bounce ideas off about practical action steps that I could take. So on top of the leaving work at work for one day and then two days and then three days a week, it started becoming not working over the weekends and really Monday to Friday, get the job done and free my weekends up to do things that I enjoy. 
Um, and then it also looked like injecting more time into my day, whether it was going to a gym class, um, meditating in the morning, even if it's 15 minutes before work. Um, and yeah, just starting to bring things that I enjoy into my life. So often in the busyness of our identities and jobs as teachers, the first things that go are the things we actually enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, if anything, small, start small and bring the things that you love back into your life if they've lost their way along the way. Yeah, beautiful. I'm really curious. You mentioned, you know, when you were speaking about maths teaching, oh. you mentioned that there is always a right or a wrong. You know, there's uh it's either the correct answer or you're way off and your working out has oh. somehow gone awry. Um, did you find, you know, if you've been if you were in that mindset for years of it's right or it's wrong and I need to teach my students how to get it right. Mm -hmm. Did that ever lapse into your self-care or the way that you were showing up for yourself as in I'm doing this right or there's a right way to do this and a wrong way? Like did you ever oh, put those I limitations on yourself? Question. Love the question so much because for such a long time I struggled with it. Um, let's take meditation, for example, my meditation practice. Um I used to beat myself up if it wasn't half an hour long or I if there was a morning that I missed, I used to go, oh, my God, like I've just fallen off the bandwagon and I give myself the hardest time. And I think, yeah, definitely is that black or white, the correct or wrong mindset that I've had for so long in my life. And, yeah, it wasn't fun. Um, I was giving myself such a hard time. And then it became it got to a point where it wasn't enjoyable at all and I was trying to change, make changes in my life for the better. It was like taking two steps forward, one step back, um, that sort of deal. So, yeah, it was a really eye-opening time in that, I think a big learning experience for myself as well in learning to be compassionate with myself, in shifting the mindset that really there's no right and wrong here because everyone's well-being journey everyone's wellness journey is going to look different and what works for me may not necessarily work for you and it may not work for your friend beside you so realizing that it's not a one-size-fits-all it took time to fight that <laughs> but um it was that conscious decision that I knew I had to make not just for myself but to also bring into the work that I do to support others in this journey as well because I think it is a challenge that that a lot of people can relate to and it's almost like if they fall off the bandwagon a little bit that becomes an excuse to not do it because it's not right so yeah just just working on that mindset and shifting the lens um as to how you look at it Mm, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like that that then becomes a lot of teachers' biggest hurdle of, okay, I'm going to make a change, but the change needs to look exactly like this. And if it doesn't work out, then yeah. I'm doing it wrong. Um, yeah. So I'm so glad we got into that because that 
we don't want that to become a hurdle. We want, uh, I wrote down, it's not so much the what you're doing, but the how you feel when you're doing it. So if something isn't feeling um, uplifting or exciting or inspiring or, you know, like it's elevating you, it, you don't need to do it. It's not, it's not what you are doing. It's That's how. Wrong. So it sounds like now uh, you've gotten to a place where you're much more interested in, okay, how is this going to make me feel? Not what time is it? How long was it? What are the logistics? Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes, it ends up being like that checklist of things that we're so used to doing. And if you don't check it off, if you, if you're not doing it right, it's like, oh, stuff it. I'm not doing this right. I'm just not going to do it at all. Um, So yeah, it's such an interesting conversation, that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, meditation as being a practice that you love to go back to um, and that supports you. Tell us a little bit about that because I know that's kind of a big, um, yeah, it's a big thing in your world at the moment. So talk to us about meditation and yeah, what it means for you and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, my meditation practice and how I bring mindfulness into my life, I like to see it as something that is easy and something that can come into my day at any point so as I mentioned before initially when I was starting with my meditation practice I used to give myself all these rules I needed to follow like I have to do it when I wake up in the morning before I leave for work it has to be 30 minutes long I have to sit through a guided meditation if I don't do those things no you're not doing it right you're a failure so I knew that was not working for me after quite um, a short amount of time. So I decided to switch things up and try and make it fun and easeful for myself. I didn't want it to be something else that um, I was stressing over because that's completely not the point with meditation. So, um, yeah, I like to debunk that myth that you have to be sitting down to meditate or you have to be sitting down to be mindful like you can do it at any point in your day. So one thing that I really enjoyed doing when I was still teaching um, and, yeah, in the busyness of the school day, I used to use my lunch times when I was out on yard duty as my mindful moments of the day. Um, and even lunch times as teachers, I know sometimes we struggle to find time to even go to the toilet, but we can take a pause in our days to just connect back with ourselves. And to me, this looked like a couple of deep breaths standing in front of the microwave while waiting for my lunch to heat up. Like it could be something as simple as that. And I think that's that's one thing that I love to, as I mentioned before, I love to debunk that myth that meditation has to look one certain way and that one certain way tends to be the one where you're sitting down in silence and if thoughts come to mind you're doing it wrong like no none of that stuff like be mindful in your shower be mindful when you're having your lunch or when you come home from school or and you go out on your walk you when you're walking your dog that's a mindful moment for you if you choose to take it mm -hmm. and it's really as simple as just connecting to the five senses that we have that we don't really often do as much as we should whether it's 
just sitting and looking at the space around you, looking at the things around you, the textures, all those things, smelling the things that you can smell. Um, yeah, when you're eating, what can you taste? What can you feel on your skin, your clothes, your the wind on your skin? And yeah, and he, what can you hear? It's as simple as tapping into those five senses and that could be like a two-minute practice if you if you really wanted to do it, minimum. Um, so, yeah, back to, I think I've sort of gone on a tangent now. But, <laughs> um, yeah, meditation is such a big part of my life today because it really allows me to centre and ground within myself, especially when I start feeling those emotions of stress and overwhelm start to come because they're, they're not going anywhere. They're bound to come up in our lives from day to day, but it's about catching them and going, okay, I know you're there. I'm going to do a couple of deep breaths and that allows me to center myself and make mindful decisions from there to try and work through those emotions. Beautiful. I love that. And so many, you mentioned the word easy. You said, I see it as easy. So many easy to implement suggestions that, you know, I'm sure there are teachers who are like, oh, yep, I know I can do that. But how often do we actually do those things? And I, I tend to think about it when I have mindful moments like that. It's like, I remember, I remember again, that I exist and that I'm alive and what a miracle that is. It's like we get so so caught up in, you know, the checklist, like you mentioned before, what we have to do, data collection, emails, all of those things that we forget that we're human beings spinning around on this rock in the middle of space. Mm. Seems quite vast and big, but remembering that, remembering that, okay, I'm alive. I exist. I'm experiencing this world right now. I feel like that that pulls us out of that doing, 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 rush, rush, rush. And yeah, time expands and things, you said, I see it as easy. Things seem easier when you come back and remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. You also mentioned before when you were talking to us about your, um, you know, how you got from a place of burnout to where you are now, you said that you hired a coach because you said, I know how I work. Like I know how I am and I want that accountability. And I know a lot of your work at the moment centers on uh, our strengths and how we can utilize those strengths and show up in the best way that we can. So let's, let's have a little chat about that because this is something I've been seeing you speak about. And I'm really curious about, you know, you obviously had, an understanding of how you work, what your strengths were and where you needed support. So how has that all come to be now that it's such a big part of what you do? Like, let's go there. Let's chat straight. Yeah, (laughs) love that. Well, exactly. As you said, I think knowing and discovering what my strengths were or are, it's not a past tense, it's a present tense. (laughs) Um, Yeah, knowing and discovering my strengths gave me a much better idea of who I am, how I work best, how I best show up. And I think that this, again, is a is something that 
teachers are not encouraged to do very often at all. Um, I think so often we talk about strengths in the school environment with character strengths and things like that with our students. But how often do we turn that conversation back to us as a teaching team, as a teaching community? Personally, in the schools that I've worked at, we've actually never apply strengths within our teaching teams, our teaching roles, which I think is a, a gap that certainly needs to be filled at this point in time, because in this climate, in this world, as we know it, teachers are overworked. They are doing all the jobs and it seems like everyone is doing the same jobs. Imagine a world where we knew our strengths, what people can bring to, to the table, and delegate tasks to people to work to their strengths. Like how much more effective, efficient and positive would that working environment be? So it's, it's really a space that I love um, because so often we, that negativity bias in us, we go to the negative so far straight away, like what's not going well? What am I not doing well? Like those questions come up so quickly, almost as a default. But if we could shift the way that we ask those questions, instead of looking at it from a negative point of view, like what can I do well? What can I bring to the table? And how can I best show up? Like not just as a teacher, but also as a human being in your personal life, around your family, your friends, your loved ones, whatever it is, knowing your strengths both at work and outside of work, um, there are complementary strengths that you can bring in all the time. And it's also one of those things that I believe the more you think about, the more you practice, the more you talk about it, um, the easier it gets as well. And, yeah, the more you dive into it, the big, the better the understanding you have of yourself and I guess there's so many benefits that come from that, whether it's your productivity, the way that you show up, um, your well-being is fed as well because you're working on things that you know you can do well and you can contribute in a positive way. Um, yeah, it's it's really that, that lens that I'm trying to put on at the moment and, again, opening up conversations within the teaching space itself as well, particularly working in the teaching teams that we all are in. I think it's so important to know what strengths everyone brings to the table and how can we work with them rather than against them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so important. I What I find so interesting is seeing the way that teachers view themselves because it's such, it really lends itself to how they are then going to show up for themselves. So for mm -hmm. example, I'm sure you're the same, but when, when a client signs up to work with me, they fill out a questionnaire. And one of the questions on the questionnaire is, uh, how do you view yourself? How would you describe your authentic self? Yeah. And this can very much differ from the time that they sign up to the end. And I mm -hmm. hope that it does. That's one of my wishes, but so often the ways that teachers are viewing themselves is I'm stressed. I'm a people pleaser. I'm exhausted. They might say things like organized, uh, but they're seeing it in a way of, you know, it's so strictly linked to their work. Mm. Um, 
it's generally when they talk about themselves and their strengths, they're not mentioning uh, all of the wonderful qualities that makes them a human and makes them who they are. It's related to work and can be quite negative. And so I think if you're seeing yourself through that lens, it's very hard then to um, decide that you're worthy of showing up for one and then take those steps to show up for yourself. Because if if there was someone in my orbit or an acquaintance who was very, you know, stressed and um, they showed up in that way, there is that resistance to supporting them. You know, it can be tricky. So if, if people, like you said, saw themselves in that way where they know their strengths, they know their worth, they know their value and they play to that, um, it would just be so beautiful to see because we know uh, how much value teachers have and how worthy they are, but Absolutely. often convincing themselves of that, that they're innately worthy. It's a whole is, different story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's um, like resisted. Yes. And the, no, I'm that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. They can see it in their students, but then when it comes to them, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I can't take that compliment. That couldn't possibly be about me. Uh, so if we're talking about strengths, I know you've speaking, uh, spoken about um, certain assessments or tests you oh. guide people through in order to allow them to recognize their strengths. Talk us through that. Like where, where do teachers go? Obviously to sign up with you and get a guide yeah. and, and someone to support them would be the best case scenario. But how does someone or a teacher come to identify what their strengths are and then mm-hmm. uh go about designing their life in a way that supports them to utilize those love that question and yes the support is so important because doing a test is one thing but the follow-up and the follow-through that's a whole different story but yeah in terms of um yeah in terms of tests that I believe in and I personally use to work with my clients um One is the VIA character strengths test, which I think a lot of teachers would know about um, because we do it with our students quite a lot, um, which is all about the character strengths and um, how you really show up in the world generally. So that's a very useful tool that I personally, that was the first strengths tool that I came across and um, fell in love with it, used it with my students all the time, particularly in my well-being roles. So yeah, that's definitely the first tool. But the second tool that I actually came across probably about two years ago now, um, and I personally use really closely to this day, is the Clifton Strengths tool. And this one is um, slightly more tailored to strengths in the workplace, which I personally believe is a very important thing for teachers to understand and unlock in themselves, um, especially in how they show up at work day to day. So the Clifton Strengths um, tool is a test that goes, is just 177 statements that you essentially work through on a sliding scale and it generates a report of 34, there's 34 themes within the tool itself. And you can choose to either purchase the top five strengths report or the full 34 strengths report. 
I invested in the 34 Strength Report and it literally changed my life in that it described what came to me naturally to a T and also the things that didn't quite come so naturally to me. Like I always knew I found them hard and I struggled through it. But in reading through this report, I was like, oh my gosh, like this actually makes sense why I have actually found those situations as challenging as I found them when I was going through them. So yeah, it was really a deep dive into my personal talents and what I can develop into strengths and strengths is one of those things that yes they are things that come naturally to us but we do need to still work on them to to show up as our best selves so yeah in terms of using these profiles as a tool in my work um, I support teachers to deep dive into that profile and really we come up with strategies we talk about ways that they can bring more of these strengths of theirs into their teaching lives and also into their personal lives um, because like I said before there are very complementary strengths that can show up in both situations so yeah it's it's deep diving it's unlocking it's practical strategies and just having that conversation and that accountability again to um yeah bounce ideas off and to also just debrief about what has worked and what hasn't worked because not everything may or not every strategy that we come up with may work necessarily in the context um, of their lives at the moment and um yeah, it's just having that space and opening up that space for those conversations and to know themselves like they never have before. Amazing. I'm so interested now and I will be jumping off and doing that strengths test. Love it. Because I would love to know. And it is it is something where it's like vaguely I know what my strengths are. I know generally where I thrive and where I might, you know, come up against resistance, but it would be so, yeah, so helpful to know. You've piqued my interest and it made me really think about, I've been seeing this trend, which makes me very excited, uh, seeing this trend in education where I feel as if for the past, we can say few decades or even, you know, into the last century mm. with education, especially uh, education under colonization. It's a very like blanket. This is how we all learn. This is what yeah. school looks like. This is what a day looks like. And it's very, there's no, there's not been room for that individualism uh, in most circumstances. Mm. And I'm seeing that real uh, trend out now where, where we are, you know, recognizing everybody's strengths we are um not just blanketing every child or adult in the room we're um interested in them as individuals not just as the role that they are playing within a system that knows how it runs and and within that there's you know celebration of individualism celebration of neurodiversity as well and I feel like for a teacher or for someone to know what their strengths are, to value those, to create a life that is in support of that, there's also less um, space for comparison. Yes. Do you feel like that's true? 
Yes, 100%. And I think, like you mentioned before, it's about tapping into that uniqueness in all of us. We're all so unique in our own ways, our experiences, our stories, like they are also unique and they've led us to this point where we're at right here right now and it's respecting those differences but also respecting the uniqueness of everyone and um, embracing all of that and it just makes the world such a better place (laughs) yes exactly and and so interesting like as I, I do a lot of relief work now and when I go into schools all I want to do is talk to the te- I mean, I am a wellness coach for teachers, so it makes sense. But all I want to do is talk to the teachers, ask them about their lives, how they're showing up. You know, I want to dive deep and then I need to teach the kids for the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see the importance of everything you've mentioned, not only tapping into our strengths and knowing those, but um meditation, allowing that to be easy, remembering who we are. Like it's all coming back to this understanding of your innate worth, your innate value. And yeah, I just, you know, I'm dreaming about this world where we, (laughs) we all are owning that for ourselves, which, yeah, as I said, I'm seeing that trend and it makes me so excited. Especially I think because, like the teaching industry has always been such a giving industry as teachers. We always look outside of us. How can we give more? Who can I help more? Um, but we rarely shine the spotlight on ourselves. And even when we do, it's like an uncomfortable space to be in because no one's taught us how to do that. It's like, oh, why should I be looking at myself? There's other people around me to help. Um but there's nothing more important than really allowing yourself to look inward because it's from what's within. And when you know what you have to give, that's when that ripple effect can go out into your community and your world. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, beautiful. Is there anything from this conversation before we get to rapid fire questions? Is there anything else that you feel has been left untouched that you wanted to speak about? No, I think that was it. Strengths. Yeah. Unlock, unleash those strengths of yours. Um, And yeah, find a mindful moment every day in your life. Like it would do you wonders. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So you and I both know as teachers that generally a lesson structure will start with introduction. We have the, you know, activity and then there's the plenary at the end and we all forget the plenary from time to time. Um, So to help me remember, uh, my rapid fire questions at the end of each podcast is called the plenary. And I'm very glad we've remembered it. Tick. (laughs) well done if we're being observed right now we get a big tick so are you ready for the plenary yes let's go (laughs) okay first question coffee or tea coffee what's your zodiac sign i am a sagittarius oh interesting okay (laughs) we'll have to chat more about natal charts after this yeah if you were appointed as the minister for education tomorrow what's one thing you would change (laughs) well this is a big one just one thing though um I would make 
like knowing one's strengths like a compulsory thing <laughs> within schools. <laughs> oh, how if you or I were education minister or we had the power, I feel like the whole school system would be transformed within six months. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. It would be a whole overhaul. Oh, amazing. Uh, what's your favourite thing about being you? Oh, favourite thing about being me. I think compassion is something I live and live with like self-compassion and compassion for others so yeah that's certainly my favorite thing about myself right here right now in that I am mindful enough to be compassionate with myself and also others within my life beautiful I love that that flows to yourself as well amazing what does the term teaching with soul mean to you showing up as yourself your true self and um, being unapologetically you as a teacher and not feeling like you have to fit into boxes or, um, yeah, you have to squeeze yourself into a space that you're, you just don't feel quite right in. Like just be yourself and show up as you. Beautiful. And finally, what's one way that myself and the listeners can fill your bucket today? <laughs> oh find your mindful moment <laughs> that that would fill my bucket <laughs> beautiful I love that thank you so much Paige this has been an amazing chat I've loved where it's gone I feel like I've learned so much uh where can teachers humans in general find you if they want to learn more if they want to work with you if they need more Paige in their life <laughs> amazing well I hang out mostly on Instagram you can find me at page tan underscore and you can also find me on my website at page tan.com beautiful thank you so much Paige and yeah that was amazing my pleasure thanks for having me Jess Thank you for listening to Teaching with Soul. If you gained value from today's episode and want to learn more about how to truly lead a more mindful, calm and balanced life as a teacher, head to the show notes to find out more about teacher wellness coaching and how we can work together. And before you go, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a five-star review on your platform of choice. This will help Teaching with Soul reach even more educators around the globe and assist me on my mission of supporting teachers just like you to remember their brilliance, own their worth and cultivate calm. Until next episode, big love beautiful teacher.